on this week's episode of Three Rural White Guys, yes we did, we got her on the show, the Dirt Road Democrat, Jessica Piper, a Democrat candidate for the State House in Missouri that truly understands rural issues. So just who are the Three Rural White Guys? Jacob Dodds is an expert in rural health care and EMF services. Mike Heaton is a former lobbyist and now a nonprofit fundraising professional. And Kellen Gracie is a data and political scientist. But in the end, we're just three rural white guys sitting in our garage, drinking beer, and talking about how politics impact the rural communities of Southeast Iowa. So guys, I'm beyond pumped for our guest in this week's episode, uh, Jessica Piper. Uh, she has a following on TikTok of over 100,000 people. She's known as the Dirt Road Democrat, and she is flipping rural politics on its head. She'll be calling into the show here shortly, but before she does, I have a couple questions. I want to know, why are we talking about Hillary Clinton this week? I mean, I know why we started the week talking about Hillary Clinton. You know, last week we talked about Trump eating his memos and throwing him in the toilet. And I even think, uh, Kellen, you might have posted something on social media about how Republicans either need to uh, go after Trump just as hard as they went after Hillary about her emails or be apologizing to Hillary for the absolute crazy lock her up crap that came out. But that's not what we saw this week at all. Instead, we saw a double down. We saw this horrible anti-Hillary sentiment rear its head again, just like it was in 2015, 2016. Uh, just really, really all kinds of just really bad stuff, really inappropriate content on social media about Hillary. It's like there people were just waiting to throw this crap out there. So what happened, guys? What, what turned that to where this anti-Hillary sentiment suddenly reared its head? Yeah, uh, there were... There's this guy, Rodney Joffe. He's a internet kind of guru. Back in like 08, 09 time frame, the FBI gave him this big award for being, it was like the best cyber investigator ever. So he's kind of known as being a, like a data, cyber data sleuth. So right? like an expert. An expert. In that field, That's right. Okay. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, the accusation here all stems from the idea that his lawyer, Michael Sussman, lied to FBI agents when he told them that he wasn't representing anybody when he brought the evidence of the connection between the Trump organization and Alpha Bank in Russia, if you remember this happening right before the election in 2016. Right. And ultimately what John Durham is saying, well, in a filing as part of that suit against Michael Sussman, so this isn't a report or any it's criminal it's charges against right. Joffe. Did this right. filing just happen this week? Yeah, so the idea here is that Joffe and Sussman were in cahoots with the Clinton campaign, and the only reason they were doing this and presenting this information was to benefit Hillary Clinton. Well, therefore, the lawyer lied when he told the FBI he wasn't representing anybody. Of course, they're all denying this, and they're like, no, we uncovered this on our own. It had nothing to do with Clinton. Here's the thing, though. In the filing, Durham doesn't accuse him that this was something that was illegal or something that was directed by Hillary Clinton. The right-wing noise machine picked it up and said, oh, it was Clinton telling him to so do So they're making, they're extrapolating yes. stuff. She didn't tell us to do this. So did the filing of this happen based on some court schedule or something? Or they just filed it in conjunction with Trump throwing his memos down the toilet and they needed something to go after Hillary with? That's a great question. 
because it feels really well-timed, and it's really, really irrelevant at this point. Well, it's super irrelevant because all the statute of limitations have passed. I, I honestly, I think it was pure coincidence. I think that the 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 people that still hold Trump up as a god latched onto that. It, it, so as it became always, a bigger thing than it probably. Yeah. Was oh yeah. I I I think it was was made to be a bigger thing than what it Here's, actually was. Go read go read the filing. There's nothing in that filing that says whatever he was doing in terms of monitoring data that was being transferred between the Trump organization and wherever else. It didn't say anything about it being illegal. So this is why we have Kellen on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to know what the hell happened (laughs) to counter this movement. We got the whole backstory. And it's it's all probably relevant if you want to dig down. To me, it's more... I have someone in the room that actually reads the document. And it didn't say anything about it being directed by the Clinton campaign. Right. That yeah. was not anywhere in the filing. He was, he was his, if I recall, his company was hired by the Clinton campaign to dig up dirt on Trump. But the part in question, he allegedly went to the FBI on his own yeah. with that as a quote-unquote good citizen. Right. Okay. I mean, they had like exhibits within the filing that basically showed that all that was really provided to the Clinton campaign was that... Trump was operating a secret server. Right. And they were trying okay. to figure out who it was connected to right. because of the fact that, yeah, he had these ties to this Russian bank. And why did he have ties to a Russian bank? Yeah. Which exactly. my guess would probably be that uh, it's honestly not as nefarious as you might think. It's probably because of the fact that no other fucking bank will deal with him. Gee, why not? <laughs> I also find it very comical. We had somebody that posted a, a meme. Uh, right after the Super Bowl, it was something along the lines Ugh. of showing Hillary being led up to the gallows. Okay, that, how that I reported that. show everyone wanted, right? People, <laughs> I reported that like 15 times. How is he still on Facebook? I don't know. And I got a three-day. Yeah, listeners, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners, our our friends. If you've missed Kellen on Facebook this week, there's a reason. There is definitely a re- Is this your how many times you've been banned? Oh man, I'm I'm like or I guess put in Facebook jail, sorry. This, I mean, we got to be getting close to 10 here. <laughs> is it really that <laughs> well, many? So. Yeah. Kellen, Kellen There's is, some I haven't told you about. Yeah, yeah. Evidently <laughs> there are. Regardless of whether said meme was offensive or not, it it's still irrelevant because even if the the whole situation with Hillary Clinton is nefarious, she has not given any indication that she has any intention of running for public office God, again. And Trump is having way worse of a week than she is. Right. Well, his his accountants gave him the middle finger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On Valentine's Day. <laughs> we love you no more. The accounting firm for the Trump organization is saying, we received bad information from our client. They misled us. And we are no longer confident in our work because of the information we were given. We don't believe so not only does that set them up for fraud charges, potentially, but it also basically says they're never going to get a loan again. They'll, no bank will ever work with them. No accounting firm will ever work with them. And it's if you're a public company, if you're a publicly traded company and that happens to you, your stock tanks. Yeah. Your CEOs run out of town. The, the company falls apart. Exactly. Well, fortunately for us, the Trump organization really isn't a legitimate right. company. It's a, it's a brand. It's a brand. And right. the brand is trash. And without any loans, he's not going to be able to bail himself out of his bankruptcy well, he, he, like he has in the past. He famously said he was the king of debt, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was his whole company, his whole system 
is based on continuing to take out loans. It's a pyramid on scheme. Assets that he has loans on. It's a shell like game. It yeah. really is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, and and yeah, he's 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 host. I mean, at, at this point, I'd care less if he goes to prison. I'm gonna love it when he's having to Melania is having to to uh, coupon clip like the rest of us. <laughs> 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 if she ever auctions that. I don't really care to you, coat. I'm all oh, over that. Are you all over it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. You brought up last week, I think one of two things is happening here. Either he is milking everything he possibly can until he can't can no longer say he's not running, and then he just goes away, and he's taking every dollar he can from his followers until oh. then. Or he has to run for president and win to stay out of prison. It's his only option. I am convinced that the RNC is not going to allow him near the White House again. I will I will believe it when I see it. I I, uh, I really think that they're using him for the midterms, and they will drop him like a hot rock after that. It feels like they started this last week. It, well, look at look at Mitch McConnell's language. Yeah, I mean, starting he's, to- he's starting to throw him under the bus pretty hard. He's pretty much made it clear that we aren't going to sit here and allow the party to try and downplay January 6th anymore. So can he, though? That's my question. Is Because ultimately, he has to follow the will of the people that vote for him, right? So is he going to survive? So far, those who have gone up against Trump have not survived it. Yeah. Does McConnell become another casualty in the Trump movement? I got to tell you, I would not be surprised if the the RNC is actually behind sort of the slow walk on all of this. We talked last week about fucking French conspiracy theories. I would not be surprised if they're the ones behind why the whole investigation process and there's like these little things that are just slowly getting dropped over time that sort of erode away Trump's credibility. Because they don't want Trump. No, that's but, what you're saying. But they want it to be slow because they're making I, as much money I mean, off them as they can they, before they get rid of them. I, I can't hardly see how that party is that fucking stupid. Like they have to know that the, party that, is all but dead if, if they that, don't cut that fucking cancer out. Right, but I said that five years ago. I mean, at what point they just keep lowering the damn bar? Well, they knew that five years ago, right? Lindsey right. Graham. There's, yeah. there's no. They they should have cut their fucking losses when they had the opportunity. When there was all that talk after the whole Inside Edition tape came out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they yeah. should have taken the opportunity then to say you're off the ticket and we're replacing you. Right. And they didn't. And I'm. I. 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 I they have to be regretting that decision. I mean, they started losing control of their party when, when they, they let Sarah Palin go unchecked, they let Michelle Bachman go unchecked, and now they have him. And hopefully they learn their fucking lesson from it and, and come back from that. But they have to divorce themselves from him slowly to avoid pissing everybody off. Mm-hmm. So I know that's very conspiratorial, but that's... <laughs> but that's not that stretchy. Uh, yeah, it's, like that's, it's really not that That's out. just campaign strategy. Like, yeah. I've, I've seen far more complex I mean, campaign strategies. Look at the difference. I mean, Mitch McConnell's getting his shit kicked for what he's saying now. But Ted Cruz came out and said what he said about January 6th. And the next day, he's on Little Tuckum's show kissing his ass, right. asking for forgiveness. Why the difference in the approach to that? And that, that's really the, the question of the day. And we'll keep following it as the, as the year goes on and, and we deal with whether or not Donald Trump actually runs. And see what happens with the Republican Party. But before then, we have the midterms. And joining us now, perfect timing, Jacob. Joining us now, we are so excited to have on the show one of the most brilliant, creative candidates for elected office in the country right now. She's known as the Dirt Road Democrat. 
a candidate from Northwest Missouri for the State House, Jessica Piper. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you guys live in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, we don't lie, people. We actually do record in our garage, drinking beer, just talking politics. <laughs> nice. So fair warning, Jess. We've had some pretty big politicians on the show, and they've been coached really, really well. You know what I mean? Like they just like they... They dance around everything beautifully, right? Mm -hmm. So we're sort of done with that because yeah. we left that and we're just like, WTF. Like, mm -hmm. we we need some real, real content. What are you actually so going to do? let me tell you, if you, have, if you are looking for terrible dancers, bad choreography, <laughs> you have come to the right place. Like, you couldn't have done any better. Love it. I love it. But let, let's start out with the most important thing. Rumor has it that you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan. So, yeah. So I'm from, I'm originally from Arkansas and they pipe, we don't have an MLB team. So they pipe in the Cardinals. Oh yeah. Us, yep. and so, yeah. <laughs> Do you have to deal with the Cubs though too down in Arkansas? Uh, no, oh, we don't lucky. have Cub fans. I wasn't introduced to them until I moved to Missouri and then I learned about Cubs. Fans. Oh yeah. I think we just lost half our listeners. Yep, there they go. That. I'm right, sorry. Walking, they're walking out the door. Be careful <laughs> about the Cubs. But Jess, can you give us a, just a little background in terms of uh, where are you? Uh, whenever we talk to some of our rural folks, a lot of people don't know some of the small towns around the Midwest and so on. Where are you located and how do we find you on a map? I am in Northwest Missouri, right on the Iowa line. So I do the little Sarah Palin joke, right? I can see <laughs> Iowa from my backyard. Um, but yeah, so I'm right on the Iowa line. I'm in the middle of cornfields and bean fields in a town of 480 people. I'm from Hopkins, um, which is north of Maryville. And that's where Northwest um, Missouri State University oh, sure. is. So a lot of people yeah. might be able to locate me that way. I live in an old farmhouse on a few acres up here. Awesome. Uh, just so you know, Jacob actually did some research ahead of this episode. Usually it's oh, Kellen that yeah. does the research, but Jacob walked in with a notebook. He's like, I got notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll let you go first. Uh, Jacob, what do you got? So so I kind of looked at the current political climate in Missouri um, and actually kind of compared it to Iowa. And there's there's actually a lot of similarities. Back in the early 2000s, you had a, a Democratic governor. We had a Democratic mm -hmm. governor. You had at least one Democratic senator. But it seems like about the same time that the Tea Party started to really get momentum in the political arena, that started to shift. And much like Iowa, Missouri has shifted very hard red. I looked at your particular district, District 1. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, we understand what you're going through. It's okay. And your, your current representative is uh, Alan Andrews. Mm -hmm. And he has been in office since 2015. And when he ran in 2014, he had a Democratic challenger, and he managed to get 79% of the vote. He ran unopposed in 2016, 79% of the vote again in 2018, and then ran unopposed in the last election. So knowing that change in your political climate, what's your strategy as to how you're going to reach those people? Well, first of all, I'm not running against Alan Andrews. Oh, <laughs> oh really? We thought he, that was... Yeah, yeah. turned out. He's oh. turned out this is an open seat. Wait, you have terms in Missouri? Wipe, wipe your brows. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I really thought that that was, that was the candidate. Yeah, I did too. My bad. No, I mean, a very nice man. I mean, voted some some ways that have been terrible. But in general, I mean, a very nice man. And, and he wins, you know, handily out mm -hmm. here. 
um, but I'm not running against him. And so you were talking about the politics in our state. We're a very red state. Sarah Kenzer is a famous author from Missouri. She said, Missouri isn't red, it's bleeding. And I agree with her. <laughs> We've been under a Missouri GOP supermajority for almost two decades, almost 20 years. So that's what I'm fighting out here is a supermajority. The good thing that works in my favor is that people are starting to connect policies to the politicians like Medicaid. We passed a ballot initiative to expand Medicaid and they're refusing to fund it. Uh, they put guns everywhere. They're trying to put them on, you know, city buses and, and schools and daycares. They always put up right to work legislation, even though we voted it down right now. They are um, quoting Taylor Swift lyrics on the Senate floor, trying to, to filibuster to gerrymander our state. So that's the situation we're in right now. And I think people understand now that this is the GOP that's doing this. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Can I just say how refreshing it is to hear you talking about actual issues that impact real people instead of to, doing that sort of political candidate dance? I'll tell you why. Because people are politicians. And I'm not a politician. I'm a teacher that looked around and decided that if somebody was going to do something, it might as well be me. Um, and so I'm used to attacking issues. I'm used to teaching. I'm used to breaking things down for people to understand, you know, in bite-sized morsels. Because I mean, I'm privileged to sit around and think about politics all day, but most people are working all day and beating their family and have four ball games to go to, and they don't have time to pay attention to this stuff, right. uh, which is why I try to help. Brilliant. I have a quick question. You just mentioned being a teacher. We got some crazy stuff going on in our state house right now as far as education policy is concerned. The, the state defeated a bill aimed at installing cameras in classrooms to live stream constantly. You can just log in and check it out if you want, I guess. We have other bills currently in our legislature being debated, asking teachers to submit lesson plans a year in advance. And as a teacher, I'm sure you know how dumb that is. Do you have any of that craziness going down in Missouri? Are, are we unique here? I, I feel like it's particularly intense in Iowa right now, as far as this GOP attack on teachers and education. Yeah, I mean, Iowa does something crazy, and Missouri says, hold my bud light. <laughs> what we're doing. You know, they share the craziness. Um, but that the bill about watching teachers, that is so problematic in every single way. But here's the thing. Children deserve to learn in privacy. They deserve to make mistakes. Learning is messy. And parents shouldn't be privy to somebody else's child being messy, you know, I've had great kids say things that were terribly inappropriate, not knowing they were inappropriate. And that was a private conversation between me and a child. No one should have access to children while they're learning like that. And as far as needing cameras on a profession, I'd say, why don't you put them on the lawmakers? I want to see you with a lobbyist. I want you mic'd up on the floor. I want you to submit your bills a year in advance. And it's an outrage, and every single person knows that. Nobody wants to look into classrooms unless there's something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's real important for Democrats and independents and anyone who understands how unreasonable this is to push back and say, why? Why would you do this? This makes zero sense. You know, If we're going to audit any profession, it shouldn't be teachers. I'm going to say it should be the lawmakers. So let me ask you then, as, as a teacher... What does need to be done at the state level in terms of policy to make our education systems better? 
butt out. They need to stay in their lane. <laughs> yeah. We elect we elect Board of Education members to do this job. State legislators have absolutely zero business coming in and telling local school districts what they should teach. Every school district knows their community. They know their families. They know their children. And they know what kids need. Someone sitting in Jeff City has no idea what my daughter needs five hours away in Hopkins, Missouri, so they can butt out. Number two, they need to fund public schools and stop messing around with scholarships and with charters and put the money where it goes. Just like our founders decided we would do, we will fund public schools for the public good. And it's an outrage what's happening with school funding. Missouri is 49th in the nation for school funding. Only 30% of our budget comes from the state. The rest is pulled from property taxes, 68%. In in urban areas, that's difficult in St. Louis. But you know what? It's difficult out here. I told you I live in an old farmhouse on on the Iowa line. I bought it for twenty nine thousand dollars. Now, how much am I contributing to my school? They have to fund schools. We are 50th in the nation in Missouri for starting teacher pay. We can't keep teachers. They go to your state. My son, in fact, has a special ed degree and he travels 20 miles up the road to Iowa, where he had a $10,000 raise just for stepping across the state line. Which is so ironic because our teachers go into Minnesota for the exact same reason. (laughs) Like they just, they were just losing them. Interesting. Right. It's, it's happening everywhere. Pay the teachers. Yeah. Well, and so right in line with, with your education funding issue, that was one of the things that I kind of read up on uh, before our interview tonight, as far as education rankings go. And Missouri has quite the head start on Iowa as far as defunding public education, probably to the tune of, like you said, about 20 years that you've, you've had that Republican supermajority. So just to kind of give the listeners an idea of what that looks like, I went back and looked at the U.S. News and World Report education rankings back in 2011. At that time, Missouri was 17th. They are now 30. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty good indicator of what happens when you start cutting funding to your public education programs. So people should understand the number one indicator of classroom success for kids is a good teacher. And so when you don't pay teachers and they leave and there's a constant turning over, then students aren't doing as well. In my part of the world, our schools are going four days a week. Uh, Two districts in my district just fell to four days a week because we can't afford uh, to keep the lights on one and two to recruit teachers. The starting pay in these districts is $31,000 a year uh, for someone with a bachelor's degree. So we're losing them left and right. And it is obviously causing trouble for our kids. A superintendent said it best. He said Northwest Missouri schools are a farm team for bigger districts. Wow. And do you, do you have a lot of disparity in your school districts, like a, a rural school district versus an urban school district as far as the the level of service and, and activities and things like that that are available for kids? Because we certainly have that here in Iowa. Huge. And uh, a lot of times it, it just happens in rural schools naturally because they're so much smaller. But when I first moved to Missouri, I was working in a huge uh, wealthy district called Park Hill down around Kansas City. And the difference, yeah, is huge. Of course, I chose to live here. I love my community. My child goes to a school where the entire fourth grade is 16 kids. But you can see her school building needs work. When they're defunding schools and they're sending money to charters, they're just defunding schools out here because we don't have choice. There's no choice. 
Um, if I wanted to send her to a religious school, it would be an hour away. You know, the, the closest charter is an hour away. Uh, so all they did when they when they uh, talk about choice is take a textbook or a field trip for my kid. Right. So that leads to another issue that, that I've learned that you're very passionate about, and that's sort of rural poverty and rural economics. And I know this because I, um, I've become a little bit of a fanboy. Uh, I've been watching all your TikTok videos and for all of our listeners out there, what's your, what's your, what do you call a TikTok? Is it, is it a, a, a username, a handle? handle? Like what is I think it's a username. Okay. What's your username on TikTok? It's Jess Piper Mo M O. Yeah. And it's incredible. And hours, you can spend hours just watching her TikTok videos that you have. How many followers do you have now? It's unreal. Uh, 117 when I just looked a little bit ago. 117,000. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're happy with 7,000 Twitter followers right now. We're like, yeah, we broke 5,000. You're sitting there with 116 out of, out of rural Missouri, right? Like that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is because I got caught up. I got, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit on TikTok the other day. And, uh, you talk about this thing called, uh, reverse Robin Hood. Can you explain a little bit about that and why that's becoming a recurring theme on some of your TikTok videos? Yeah, it's just it's just that people like me end up paying more than the ultra wealthy. It's us supporting everyone else while they push back at us. And, you know, we have a high tax rate. And then it's just this constant feeling of middle class and working folks supporting the top, the wealthy. And that's what I mean. They're, they're taking from us, you know, and it's just sickening. Like what you see with Medicaid, with Missouri, they're constantly passing tax cuts. We have low taxes and they are constantly working on getting them lower and lower for what? For these wealthy folks to be able to do whatever they like to do with our tax money, while the rest of us suffer, our children suffer in schools that are barely operational. In my town, we don't have paved roads. They're chip and seal. You know, it's just things like this that we kind of get used to. But when you think about it, you're like, this sucks. Why is it like this? And, And we know why. It's like it's set up to be like this. Yeah. One of my big my big things here in, in Mount Pleasant and all across Iowa is, is similar to what you're saying is the amount of companies we have that are employing people, but 100% of the profits leave the state because those companies aren't owned here. They pay as low as they possibly can to keep as many workers as they can, which usually means a little bit above minimum wage. You might get up to 15, 16 bucks an hour, but as we all know, you add that up, that doesn't add it up enough to, to cover all our costs. And they that's all we got. There's no profit. So you can't, there's no charitable work. You don't see new wings on schools because there's no one to donate because all those owners, all those businesses that would normally get that profit and give it back to their communities just don't exist in our communities anymore. Which is why I'm a big proponent of unions and uh, unionized labor, because we know that higher wages end up lifting up an entire community. People can afford to buy things in their community. Missouri, I don't know if I was right to work, is it? We yeah, are right to work. Yep. Yeah. 2017. Ew, I'm so sorry. Yeah. We beat it down every time, but every single year they write legislation for it. Um, I just got endorsed by the UAW in Kansas City because they recognize that I'm willing to fight for a unions. And we know how they push back on them. I, I can say that personally from being an NEA. I was the only NEA member in my entire school district 
And I walked out after 16 years with a master's degree, making $41,000 a year. And that's what not being able to bargain does. It depresses wages. We have no say in our working conditions and it's their way or the highway. And I don't think it should be like that. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I noticed on your, on your website, you talk a little bit about farms and local control. And that's something that matters so much to rural folks, right? And it's, I think it's important that we talk about it a little bit just because it feels like the Democratic Party, I don't know, this might be an issue where maybe we can, we can help educate some of our other progressive-minded folks, some of our other progressive-minded friends. Our non-rural progressive-minded yeah, friends. Yeah, 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 our non-rural progressive-minded friends. And it, it, it just feels like the Democratic Party here just doesn't know how to handle rural issues, specifically when it comes to agriculture, farms, local control. Uh, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, why is it important for us to... To, to think about these issues in, in terms of these these farmers and maintaining that local control? Well, we see it with what's going on with our supply chain issues. When you have huge factory mega farms that have control of every single part of packaging, growing the meat, supplying the feed, getting it to the store, and then pricing it, they have a huge advantage over a rural farmer. I want to talk about CAFOs for just a minute, concentrated animal feeding operations. Iowa is um, it was like the canary in the coal mine. Like you guys um, showed us what can happen when you have unregulated CAFOs popping up everywhere. Hey, on. Let's say struggle. let's say it differently. We showed you what can happen when we cover everything with shit. It was just pretty much <laughs> what's happened. It's we have yeah. a, we have a state just covered in in hogwood. Back in the eighties, uh, mid eighties, there were twenty five thousand family hog operations. Now there are twenty three hundred. Wow. Two thousand three hundred. Wow. That's so a in the 90... span of one generation, we've lost an entire yeah. industry. That's like that's a ninety percent drop. While the hog production has gone up dramatically at the right. same time. So then right. you only have a handful of owners, and again. You're not spreading that wealth wow. amongst everybody. Wow. You're just spreading the shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Unreal. Yeah. 90%. Yeah. So um, we look at what happened in Iowa, and I don't want that to happen here. And I'm telling you, this is something that can flip people. Um, there was a CAFO that was going to locate to a, a county. It was a couple of counties over Livingston County. And they were putting it next to their water supply, the Pussy River. And a lot of farmers, Republican people, were so outraged by this that they started being activists and fighting it. And they won. They were able to keep that CAFO out. That flipped them. You don't see farmer activists very often, but that will do it. Poisoning your water, poisoning your air, ruining your quality of life. Uh, will change people. And I actually just saw one of my opponents, there's three people running um, for the Republican nomination. And I just saw one of them advocating for a CAFO that was coming to Iowa. And she said, why couldn't they come here? And I was like, are you kidding me? This is the problem. We don't want them there. We want to support small farmers and we want rural people to have local control and say over what comes into their communities not saying that all CAFOs are bad neighbor neighbors but enough of them are right i think about when i go down through missouri you know anyone in southern iowa they make their way at some point to the ozarks because that's just what we do it's how we take vacations three to four times a year yep if you're in central (laughs) iowa or north you go up to okaboji down here you go to ozarks right it's one or the other or branson if you know you like a little more entertainment 
And all that said, we go down through Lebanon, Missouri, which is, I don't know if you know where Lebanon's at. It's a tiny, tiny little town, but right at the very north part of town, they have a very large ethanol plant. And, and the, if you look at, in Iowa, especially, you see these ethanol plants really strategically placed, just like sort of counties. Every other county pretty much has one. Like we have one in Eddyville. We have one in Burlington. You have one in Lebanon. I think there's one near Mexico. I can't remember quite, but there's, they're all strategically placed out. So our economy has become very dependent on that. Corn, corn, corn. We grew more corn as a result of it. And it did pay the bills for a little bit. But a brand new report from a pretty legitimate source at a University of Wisconsin or one yeah, of the it was, subsidiaries. It was University of Wisconsin lead yeah. author researcher. Yeah, yeah, uh, showing that it isn't as environmentally friendly as they thought it was. Twenty four percent more carbon intensive than just burning gasoline. Right. Once you account for all the land use and and yep. all the tilling and and everything that goes goes into it, yeah. And so suddenly now we're looking at potentially with with Democrats in charge at the national level adjusting policy that's going to have a massive impact on farmers, right? And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's it does impact us. What do you see in terms of northern Missouri in terms of how have citizens there been impacted by national politics and national policies? Another example is all these, when, when Bill Clinton pushed in through NAFTA, we saw a lot of manufacturing sites close across Iowa. It was one of the main reasons Hillary lost in the Midwest. Do you have that same impact? Are you the rural citizens in, in Missouri look at that and be like, yeah, we've been screwed over by national politics, so we're a little bit jaded? I They absolutely do. I think sometimes we associate people with the wrong politics. Um, I see a lot of farmers that, you know, you see signs. I'm sure you guys have seen them, these huge signs, uh, Farmers for Trump. And I always want to say, what policies did he implement or his administration implement to make you support him? And I know you guys know this too, but our little towns are just dying. They're dying out because of these big uh, corporate places that just pull people um, away from our rural communities. And if you can't farm anymore and you can't pass anything down anymore, then that just destroys these local communities. Um, but whenever people do talk about national policies, and I hear farmers talk about them, they always go all the way back to Bill Clinton. And so I wondered if there's anything in between there that impacted them as well. I try to focus on local policies, what we can do locally, but for sure national policies have um, decimated rural towns across the country. Well, you mentioned that that decline of the rural communities. And, and here in Iowa, Back in the 80s and early 90s, there was a movement to consolidate a lot of school districts. And there were a lot of school districts that consolidated. And in many cases, those were small towns, uh, you know, similar to your Hopkins, you know, towns of less than 500 people that that school was the center point of the community and it was closed and moved up the road to the larger town. And we're facing that again. And so if you have that decline in agriculture and manufacturing, and now you've got the, the issue of potentially a town losing its school, that's only going to contribute to the decline. I, right. I do know that rural Missouri seems to have a lot more consolidation of its school districts. So maybe that won't be a huge impact for you guys, but. It looks like it probably will. And people need to remember, not only are you you know losing your mascot, but your kids are traveling on a bus a lot further. 
when you lose teachers, like the, the school district here is one of the biggest, obviously one of the biggest employers in town. So people lose uh, health insurance because you're not going to need every single teacher. You know, a lot of times people will lose their entire towns, their little mini marts, uh, little places where people run in for, for business in the town. So when you lose the school, you lose your town. Yeah. This is this it's bleak, but I'm glad there's people like you willing to stand up to the current system and and fight back, Jess. So uh, thank you for what you're doing. You know, we're getting a little short on time, guys. So I want to play a game. <laughs> if 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 our if our wonderful dirt road Democrat is up for it, we're looking at Missouri because, you know, it's we're really close to Missouri. We're only 45 minutes away. Um we hear news that sort of trickles in about some of your politicians and some of the news sort of raises your eyebrows. And, but then we turn and look at our politicians too, especially like our senators, the U S senators and, and, and state reps and our governors sort of big statewide level positions. And I think we can go toe to toe with Missouri in terms of who has the worst U S senators. Then again, I don't think you can win this. No? no, what do you got? So tell us some stories that you think we want to share some of ours and let's make a decision on who has the worst. It is, it is uh, Mike, I have to agree. It's pretty hard to compete when if one of your senators actively participated in the insurrection. <laughs> <Fair. laughs> <Fair. laughs> so, Hawthorne, right? Or what's Holly? Um, Holly, Holly, Holly. Yes, Holly. I yeah. love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have Roy Blunt, who is giving up his seat. And fun fact about him, our ex-governor who tied his mistress to exercise equipment in the basement and then took photos of her as blackmail, he is now running for Roy Blunt's seat. His name is Eric Greitens. Oh, I I knew I I lived in St. Louis long enough to know that name. Yeah. Can he win? Can he legitimately win? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's ahead in the poll. Yeah, oh my yes. god, he can win. I, I'm done. Yes. We're turning it off. We're done. Wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> Here's the thing: if he wins, I'm gonna have Eric Greitens and Joshua Hawley as my senator. Oh, can you imagine? That's even worse. There's no, there's no I mean, one in the yeah. country how do we, with Missouri. No one. How do we even? What do we? Well, I got nothing. Got nothing. I, I got nothing. We, we have the we have the oldest <laughs> the oldest U.S. senator. I mean, Is and I don't mean to. Yeah, great. You got it. Yeah, he'll be eighty died on election <laughs> and, day. And when I say that, I don't mean to be critical. Like I, I, there are a lot of very good elected officials who are older, right? Like there's a lot of very coherent and wonderful and and very talented, great people who are in their nineties, right? Yeah. Grassley's not no, one of them. No, there's there's not a whole lot. There's not. A, okay, that's fair. And that's I didn't want to say it quite, but yeah, there's not. And let's be real. To all, we do have quite a few listeners who are yeah, over yeah. seventy. Old, I would folks. say. Yeah. Yep. And like, th- there comes a point. They know it. I know it. I'm in yeah. my 40s, and I feel some deterioration going on. Same. Like, <laughs> right? So, like, there is this love affair with with the boomers as elected officials and the older boomers specifically. And and I'm I'll be the first to say it. I met Joe Biden. I had a five minute conversation with Joe Biden. It's Iowa. They caucused, right? He came mm-hmm. through. Yep. I got to talk with him behind the scenes because he was at the school I was working at. And I talk with them and I turn to to my colleague and I'm like, there's no way he's not going to live past. There's just, he's not going to get through the campaign. He was not the same Joe Biden from the Obama administration, right? He couldn't barely put two words together and you could just see the age and Grassley's worse. He's 88. He'll be 90. He'll be 89 on election. And it's a six year term, right? So we're talking 95 before he 
he won't last that long. Is he, he going to oh. win? Is he yeah. going to win? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's if there's anything that, that Iowa Republicans are famous for, it's for constantly bitching about how shitty Grassley is as a senator, but then going out and voting. Voting. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've had him for 40 some that. years. Yeah. We enjoyed yeah. that too. But there's absolutely your game. Your game was lost from the beginning. You should have <laughs> yeah. never played that game with someone from yeah. Missouri. Was, yeah, you, you win. You it's win. not any worse. Yeah, you can't yeah. get yeah, that was that was even worse than we expected. Yeah, that was, I realized yeah, that Roy Blunt even. was stepping down and being replaced <laughs> by someone even more corrupt. Yeah, I my notes for Ernst was uh the COVID conspiracy thing she right. endorsed. That was on my list. Yeah. All right, she was the one who was talking about the conspiracy and then took the first uh, shot she could get. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yep. that's yep. correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was her. That's yep. not Josh Hawley level, but it's still pretty bad. <laughs> yes, uh, there's not much worse than him. You know, he's making money now. He's selling merchandise with his fist on uh, on a coffee cup. Good, good Lord. I don't... <laughs> Okay, so well, speaking of merchandise, let's talk merch. Yes, I'll, I'll, we'll throw this plug in. Yes, yes, yes. That was good. That was, that was a nice little play there. You'll, well done. If, if you, perfect transition. If you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you'll see a nice picture of Jess on there today, um, wearing her Dirt Road Democrat shirt. And my wife is one who wants one of those. We will be yep. ordering one. Yeah. Yeah. I will order them tonight. Before, yeah, you know, before we leave here tonight, we're yep. ordering shirts yep. for all of us and all of our spouses. So if you if, if you pop over to to Jessica Piper from Missouri .com, you can order those shirts there. And they just yeah, it's under it's under shop and it goes right into my Act Blue. It is a donation and I appreciate every single person. Plus, it's a movement, right? That's right. I mean, this yeah. is what we are. There were dirt road. Yeah, we we love that term. Yeah, love. In fact, we're we. I kind of want to know how you came up with that because I'm not gonna lie. We're kind of jealous, a little mad. A we lot did jealous. Come up with it. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I had someone. I had written something on on Twitter about rural progressive, and, and so, there was a man who commented underneath there, and he said "dirt road Democrat," and I was like, "That's I'm it." Using that, and, and he said, yeah. "Go for it." <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, I I do have to ask this question. I I know we're we're pressed for time, but I, I do have to talk about this because we we didn't really talk about the rural progressive thing very much. But one of the things that we've talked about and what we have noticed in speaking with other candidates, and I realize you haven't you, you haven't officially filed your papers, right? You can't do that till next week. Yep. So have you worked with the Missouri Democratic Party at all through this process? And how's that gone? Ooh. <laughs> that's 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 what I'm getting at. Is we're we're hearing that that basically uh, it, here in Iowa, the state Democratic Party is like completely in disarray and apathetic. And like they do not care fine. about anything out of the the cities, right? So I was well, curious if Missouri was the same way. We say that, but there's an IDP person coming to this garage in like three weeks. I haven't told you about it yet. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. did they? Did someone pass along the episode of? Yeah, the, someone passed we're along. Really yeah. tore into the IDP. Okay, <laughs> that actually that sort of makes yeah. Sense. We we might have tore into the Iowa yeah. Democratic Party yeah. on here a little bit. And, and we have it sounds to be fair, we have like a thousand listeners on occasion. So like it's <laughs> and in Iowa, that's a lot. Yeah. You know? yeah. All right, go yeah, ahead. There's go like ahead. five thousand people there, right? Yeah. So All right. <laughs> no, um, so it sounds the MDP definitely has its struggles. Um, I will say there's some really hardworking people there, but they, they struggle with like just turning people over every couple of years, like just cleaning house and starting over. That doesn't work very well. We know uh, that doesn't work well. They don't give us, honestly, they don't give us money. You know, I, I haven't received a dime from yeah. them. So everything is on our own. Every single penny we raise is on our own. And that's a shame, mm -hmm. you know, that 
that is so difficult. We haven't organized out here in years. You you already said that we didn't have candidates, which means there was no organization. I was given van, nothing works, everything's wrong. And it's just building from up every couple of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that frustrates me because even if, even if you do lose, I don't think you're going to lose. I think you have some unique, crazy, awesome situation going on there. And I think you're going to be a model, right? I love it. I love it. (laughs) So, but even if you did, okay, like, like most districts before you around you in rural Missouri have lost to Republicans. There is a difference if it's 60, 40 versus 80, 20 versus 90, 10. And you may not win or a, a house seat may not win or a state Senator may not win, but it has an impact on the statewide races. And that's why we keep losing these statewide races is because they're not investing it for that extra 10% in our rural community. Because you can get to putting you out on the on the campaign trail and covering some of your expenses, you're gonna get 10% of the vote in your county. You're gonna you're gonna switch right. them over, right? Like because you're you, you are who you are and you're gonna convince people. But if you're not being funded at all, the IDP or in our case the IDP, the MDP just lost ten thousand votes for your region, right? right? Even if you weren't gonna win. And this is what I've been saying from the beginning. I've out, I've blown past every single fundraising goal that ever anyone ever put in front of me, and I have outraced every single person who has ever run in this district, Republican or Democrat. Wow, that's because awesome. I'm just I know what it takes to win, um, and I know this that even if I don't win, I'm going to win. But if I didn't, the GOP is going to have to drop thousands, maybe over $100,000 up here that they've never spent a freaking dime. And that's not going to Eric Reitens. At least a hundred grand beat me. Mm -hmm. So District 2, they're not going to send anybody to spend any money against District 2. Mm -hmm. So what if District 2 can pull money or four or five because they're having to concentrate on me? Now, what if we did that across the state? Everywhere. 2020, there were 50 seats that were uncontested. And that is Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Wow. They all went to Republicans. What, what is it? not doing that. 160, 160 House members in Missouri? 168, I believe. So almost a third of the seats were unopposed. Wow. Yep. Wow. And I'm, I'm not going to, that's not acceptable anymore. Yeah. And the Missouri Democratic Party this year is pushing. We have to do this. But even further than that, we have to get people that aren't going to say, I'm just going to put my name on the ballot. Mm-hmm. It has to be someone who's going to, you know, run. Campaign. And that's me. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything to lose. I didn't put my name on the ballot to move a needle. I did it to freaking win to get to Jeff City to stop the shit that they're doing down there. I awesome. Can't, you know, we can't do it anymore. But. Oh. Awesome. awesome. Brilliant. That's a perfect way to finish it up. Do you have any more questions? Well, I just I just wanted to make one, two quick comments. One is I really think we were underselling hot springs earlier when we were talking about vacation destinations. Just, <laughs> Keep going south. It gets yeah, better as you go. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other thing I just wanted to, to, to say, go get them at the Labor Front event tomorrow night, Jess. Yes. Um, fan, I, I love Glenn. He invited me to go to Labor Front and do a live with him. And I'm super excited. Awesome. I think that that's really underrepresented. People aren't talking about unions anymore. Yeah. And yep. we need to get back to that. Yep. Love it. Agree 100%. All right. Go Cardinals. Go Cards. Yeah. <laughs> go Cards. Just lost the other quarter. <laughs> yep. Listeners we had there. Let's okay. hope the baseball season happens this year, though. Yeah, I know, right? Speaking <laughs> of labor. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today. Good luck in your campaign. We're happy to have you on again before the before election night. If you ever want to come on again um, after this, listen to the episode first. See what you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but thank you for doing what you're doing and being a voice for 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 common sense in in rural america we really appreciate you oh and and just one last time can you can you let our listeners know how they can get their own dirt road democrat shirt oh yeah Absolutely. If you go to Jessica Piper from Missouri.com, you'll look under shop and you can find it there. You can also just go to Twitter, follow me on Twitter for it's Piper from Missouri, TikTok, you know, that's an awesome app. It's Jess Piper Mo. So uh, I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate what you're doing. And I think that, you know, we have the ability to take rural America back. Uh, We started as progressives. We can get back there. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, love it. All right. Thank you, Jess. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's what I'm yes. talking about. <laughs> that's the candidate. Right that's there. it right there. That is, we need like 400 All of, of them. those. Yes. All of them everywhere. Just Jess Pipers. Just like. I am fucking fired floating up. Her. Yes. That went way better than I thought it was going to. Yes. Hey, if you're still listening to this podcast episode, <laughs> Siri, we're not kidding you guys. She needs help. Yeah. She needs funded. If she's going to have a chance at winning, she needs the resources to do it. Go online right now and it buy is, a t-shirt. It is 100, 100% about who raises the most money. Yes. I, in in policy research, there's they, they look at the statistical significance between campaign spending and outcomes of the election. And you get to a certain point where you have diminishing returns, but you can't win, really, especially in a state house district like that, without money. You just right. can't do it. And yeah. like she said, the, the, the party's not pitching in. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're some rural progressive in Georgia listening to this... Mm-hmm. And we have them. Uh, yeah. You... you you may you may say I don't care about some little rural district in Northwest Missouri, but it's exactly like she said. The RNC has never had to spend money in that district, and now they do. That's right. right. And every time you buy one of those shirts from her, that's more money. Than and and to feel free yep. to, to you know use a sharpie and cross out dirt For road. No other reason. Troll the clay road. You know, do what you need to yeah, do. Yeah, whatever like, you it's need. It's okay. To do. You can yeah. cross things out and respell it if you're chip and seal road. Chip and seal yeah, road. Whatever it is. Double right. wide Democrat. <laughs> oh, I love yeah, that. That's one a good too. one too. I, I the the quote that stuck with me, guys. Uh, she said, "I'm not a politician. I'm a teacher." And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase her here. I'm probably going to butcher it. She said, I, I looked around. I saw nobody was going to do anything about this. And I said, it has to be me. I have yeah. to step up. I have to, I have to put my name in the hat. I have to put my name in the ring. Or I have to put myself in the ring. However, whatever yeah. metaphor we want. Yeah. That really stuck with me, right? She, she looked around. She saw problems. And she said, no one's fixing this shit. And right? she also pointed out the fact that, that we have this party that's for less government intervention and wants to keep the government out of things. But yet here she is talking about education saying... Stay the fuck out. Right. Like, let us do the thing that we went to school to do. Yeah. Brilliant. This is, that's, if you're listening, IDP, if you're listening, National Democratic Party, go find more Jesses. Yeah. Focus on them. All your efforts right now have been in urban areas to cultivate incredible candidates from those areas and train them on how to run, but you're not going after the Jesses of the world. And you're losing as a result of it. Because as Kellen clearly pointed out last week, it matters. The scales are already tilted toward rural in terms of power based on how we structured our government. That's reality. So you have to spend the time investing in those kind of candidates like Jess. All right. I think that's the, the perfect high to end on. I actually have some hope for the first time in a long time. Whether or not Jess wins or not, she is creating a movement. She's starting something important, incredibly important in her area there in Northwest Missouri. 
Thank you all. Thanks, Kellen. Thanks, Jacob. It's huge thanks to Jess Piper uh, for what she's doing running for office, but for being on our show, especially today. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, we'll see you again next week. <laughs>